Hello and welcome to Cup of Tea with UHB Charity, a hospital charity podcast that focuses on inspiring stories from our NHS staff and patients from across our hospitals in Birmingham. I am your host, Ella Igledon. Make sure to tune in each Friday for a new episode. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please send an email to charities at uhb.nhs.uk. I would love to hear from you. Welcome back to a brand new episode. This week at UHB Charity, we have been celebrating one of our incredible home away from homes, which is Fisher House. The house turned nine on the 21st of June and for nine years, it has been looking after military families whilst their loved ones are close by recovering in hospital, completely free of charge. The kids love this house. Uh, Even then, we have a house already provided by military. If you say the word that he got in the hospital today, the boy was like, yeah, we got to fish your house. Mm-hmm. This house is to them, it's just like, there's a safe place. Yes. Noi joins the podcast to talk all about her story alongside Ben. Noi is a returning long-term guest to Fisher House and was flown over from Italy at the start of the pandemic when her husband became severely poorly. She thought she'd only been in the UK for two days and had little belongings and no money. Ben works for the Defence Medical Welfare Service and has been supporting Noi and her two young boys ever since they arrived in the UK. Noi sums up beautifully in this episode the importance of Fisher House and why your donations are so greatly appreciated. Joining me on the podcast today, I have Ben and Noi, who were part of our Fisher House campaign. Noi has been staying at Fisher House um, for the past kind of year, which she has lots to share about her story, which is a very powerful story. And Ben is going to talk about his role and how he supports families like Noi. So shall we start with you, Ben, and kind of your background and how you support families at Fisher House? Yeah, so I'm Ben. I work for the Defence Medical Welfare Service. I'm part of the patient coordination cell at RCDM, which is the Royal Centre for Defence Medicine within the Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of that team. So I will help look after the welfare needs of serving personnel who are in the hospital and veterans for, uh, who are in the hospital as well. And then I kind of liaise between the military and the patients and the patients' families. Mm. And if there's any issues with the NHS staff, we kind of liaise between them as well. And then any families that come into Fisher House, we'll support the families here in Fisher House and help, especially during COVID, liaise between the patient and the family as they're not able to see each other. And I can imagine that it's a really rewarding role that you get to support families through really tricky times like Noi has been through as well. It is rewarding because it just takes the pressure off the families and allows them the time to kind of deal with the situation at hand and and because the families feel more supported when they're able to give better support to the patient in the hospital. But yeah, it's definitely rewarding. Amazing. So let's go to you, Noi. Your story when you told it to me before was mind-blowing, really, what you and your two little boys and your husband has had to go through in the last year. Do you want to go pretty much from the start of what happened and what your story is? So what was life like before your husband got poorly? My husband is in military, so Mm -hmm. he got posting to Italy. And then uh, we moved to Italy just the lockdown in the UK start. 
And over there, we just have like a, a bubble family, one family, which is the boys went to the medic, what they call MOD school together. Mm-hmm. And that's the only family we, we have, you know, like contact with. Apart from that, the school is still on the lockdown. We never met the teacher. We never met the parent. We never met other children mm-hmm. apart from on the, oh. God, the word is gone. Nice. <laughs> what do you call it? Just learn from the uh, computer conference, like a conference call yeah. thing. Yeah. It's like a facing video with a group of the children and all that. But we were so exciting to be there. Um, we got lots of places we want to explore. As soon as we get there, my husband got very ill. Mm. He's turned very pale and he get tired very quickly as you go like up the stair like five steps yeah he's get tired and do you want to talk a little bit about the symptoms then that your partner had before the ambulance came and stuff so that night or day i can't remember what time of day it was a A week Mm. before that he got a very high temperature as you know if everyone has got high temperature you have to worry about covid and you have to stay at home and in the end he's become sick he can't eat, he can't drink. Mm-hmm. Everything is go uh, in, is come straight out, even medication that he took as well. And then he's got sweating at night. Yeah. He got the bed is completely covered like you can just squeeze the water out from the blanket, you can mm-hmm. get a bucket out of it each night. In the end he did say, um, I'm not sure what day today is. So he lost a bit of, he get confused. Yeah. I think he get a bit confused. And that, that evening I decide, because we don't know what disease he's got. He went to see a doctor. He went to the hospital, mm-hmm. US hospital over there. And they do all sort of tests, but they can't find what's wrong with him. Yeah. They say it might be just feral, what they call, um, sickness, mm-hmm. something like that. And then um, in the end, that night at 10 o'clock, I took the boys to bed and everything because it's no school. So they go to bed whenever mm-hmm. they want. They took the bed. They go to bed at 10. He said, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm so hot. Can we put air conditioning on? Because in Italy, was, in May, it was quite hot. Mm-hmm. So we have the whole house with air conditioning on. He still run up and down, kind of like crawling up and down. He tried to get to a very cool position, like he tried to lie on the floor, have air conditioning on, everything. It doesn't bring his heat down. Mm-hmm. And in the end, he said, oh, I'm going to go to bed. we having separate bed because he's not sure what he's got. He doesn't yeah. want to go near the kids or he doesn't want to give me, you know, like all the illness or anything like that. So he sleep in different room. But I said, okay, um, I think I will go and sleep in the same room anyway because he doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. And then I sleep on the floor in the sleeping bag. And, and it's on the tire floor. That doesn't bother me though. Yeah, and then at midnight, he's kind of like, I don't know how you call this. Um, he tried to talk, but mm-hmm. you can't get it out what he's saying. Right. And his eye was completely roaring. He looked up in the roof yeah. only. Very scary. Yeah, it is. And I think, hang on. And, and I know he personality. He doesn't like to bother people. Mm-hmm. And I said, honey, you need to talk to me. And he's, he just no response. I said, well, you've got a quite high temperature. Why don't you take some pills? It might bring the temperature down. You might, you know, come mm-hmm. back. And then he, he just no response. I put the um, 
medication in his hand and he dropped off. Um, so I, I said, okay, I'm going to go get our neighbors. If he's normal, he will respond, say, no, don't do it. Yeah. But he didn't have any response. I asked him three times and he just didn't respond. And then at the same time, I just don't know what to do. He felt so pale. He didn't look at me. He just looked at the ceiling. Dude, I ran downstairs at the back of the our house, at the back of the door, front mm-hmm. door. They got a great big sign in translator, how to call ambulance in Italian. Right. And then I'm thinking, oh, that's going to be a big problem for me to call Italian ambulance. So, but underneath there is also, say, A&E um, US Hospital. Mm-hmm. I decided to call that number because at least they speak English. So I called them and then I said, uh, who am I, where I live and everything. And I said, at the moment, my husband is in this condition. He doesn't respond. He doesn't talk to me or anything like that. And then this person, thank you to him. I can't remember his name. <laughs> so many things um, happened. He said, right, ma'am, you need to put your phone on charge and stay with me. I will call ambulance and it should be with you in 15 minutes. And I said, okay. Um, in the room where he is, where my husband is, doesn't have a signal. So I have to leave the phone outside the room. And then um, the guy was saying, stay on the phone with my colleague. I will call Italian uh, ambulance for mm-hmm. you. But in 15 minute time, because our park hall, um, where we live, is like um, at the whole village, but you've got a great big gate mm. before you go in. You have to let them in or they have to have a key. And they normally got intercom, but our intercom is not working. If they can press our house number, we just answer and let them in. But that one is not working. Every single one minute, I would say, there's an officer on the phone saying, Ma'am, is he still breathing? And I think... Why would you say that? Yeah. Why would you say he's still breathing? Is that serious? He said, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a little bit serious, but it's procedure, ma'am. He's trying mm-hmm. to calm me down. It is really, really good. Every five minutes, there was the, the first person who answered the phone. is keep informed me, said, the ambulance nearly there. They are here, here, here. I don't even know where it is. But he said, they are seven minutes away. They are five minutes mm-hmm. away. They are three minutes away. They are nearly there. Can you see them? Can you see the flashing light? Because we live on the fourth floor. So you should be able to see. But it's not just your house that's top, higher. So you kind of like look everything in the dark. Um, eventually at around about four o'clock. This has happened so quickly. I don't know. I think around about four o'clock, uh, the ambulance was in. Uh, the officer on the phone was so... So helpful, he said, before you get out of the house, you have to put your clothes on, you put your <laughs> shoes on, everything like that. And I think, oh, okay, that's very good. And he said, don't forget the key, uh, because if you close the door behind you, it lock, um, so you won't be able to come back in. So take the key with you and all of this. It's just a tiny little thing. It's, it is something I don't think about. No, of course but you they did. panic as well. Yeah, and, and they did. Luckily, the boy was in their own bedroom, so they didn't see all of these, what I have to go through. And then in the end, I saw the flashing light. So yeah, there, there was a bit of um, misunderstanding. They go on the different road. They come into the park hall, but they take the wrong turn. And then I have to go kind of like go and get them out from different park hall. It was about five, 600 meter. Mm-hmm. Just try to go and get him. And I try to kind of wave in the dark and nobody see me. <laughs> 
But in the end, they turn up. They turn up with three paramedic who doesn't speak much English. Yes, no, like me, speak Italian. Um, they come in and and then I took them upstairs. They wear like a proper, you know, um, what do they call? Like a PE suit. It looks like astronaut, what you call them. I like they covered it all up yeah. with their hats and everything. They covered in PPE because of the COVID. Yeah, yeah because yeah. of COVID. Yeah, they was talking their own language, and then um, the one guy turned around and said, "Vaccine." He said something, something mm-hmm. vaccine anyway, and I said, "No, he doesn't have vaccine. He got appointment for the next week, right. following week, mm-hmm. but he become ill first. So um, they say, "Ah, COVID," but they did give him paracetamol. But because my husband is look a bit confused, so he's proper fighting. It take three Italian paramedic try to just give him the paracetamol to bring the temperature down. Yeah. So and they was also talking in Italian on the phone with the officer that that's on my phone. They try to communicate to say we have to bring the temperature down and all these sort of things. I believe that's what they say. In the end, the temperature has come down, but he's still confused. He, he still didn't know anything. No talking, nothing. He just looked at the ceiling still, but proper fighting. Um, nobody can touch him. If you touch him, he proper fight. Mm-hmm. In the end, they said they're going to take him to COVID hospital right. in Italian. And then I said, no, you, you're not taking him. He's have no COVID. Mm-hmm. We check every day for COVID and he was clear. They say, no, we will have to take him, we will have to take him. They go and get the, it looked like a chair. They tried to put him into that chair. And I said, no, you're not taking me. I was proper fighting. <laughs> I said, I don't want him to go there. And he said, no, you can't visit for two weeks. Um, uh, you can't come and see him. Uh, we will let him out after two weeks and all this sort of thing. And, and I said to the officer, well, I don't know what, is he proper a nurse or a doctor from the U.S.? Mm-hmm. Military hospital. I, I say to him, they're going to take my husband to the COVID hospital and I don't want them to take him. What should I do? What can you do? US hospital can't provide any vehicle or transport to come and get him. Right. If you don't want the Italian hospital to take him, we can bring him in to our hospital, but you have to bring him here yourself. So I said, how can I do that? I got two kids. I got two boys. One is six. One is four. In stay in bed. They said, um, "I'm so sorry. I can't really help you with that. Um, you have to work it out yourself on that problem." Yeah. yeah. And but I said, "Okay, never mind. Right now, you need to tell the Italian paramedic to leave because they really tried to take my husband." Because this was at a time when the Italian healthcare system was struggling with all the COVID cases and it was all over the news. Yeah. Mm. And the language barrier must be so frightening oh, when you don't oh know what God, was... is happening to your husband and they're telling yeah. you. And Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, we only get there not that long. There was some um, survival Italian language, mm. that which is the military support for us. But we didn't really register on anything yet because you have to wait on the queue. We're only there six months and everything is locked down, so you can't really do anything yeah. at the moment at that time. Yeah, and then in the end, the paramedic left, so I phoned these family that we have a bubble relationship mm-hmm. with. 
um, luckily, he's quite higher rank, like I said. He know what to do. I didn't yeah. know what to do. When As soon as I call him, he live about five minute or ten minute drive away. We just get there like in five minutes. He said, I'll be there in five. But exactly five minutes, he was there. And then this was about oh, five, half past five, something like that. I call him and then he turned up half past five in the morning. So the whole village was still sleeping. And then he turned up and then I said, I explained to him what's, what happened and then he said, okay, I will take him to the hospital. He drove there and he took um, he took Italian car to pick my husband up. It's a proper fighting, mm. it's a proper fight. He's got all his hand like an octopus, he's just hook it on to the door frame and everything and the stair and everywhere. He just didn't want to leave that room. Ben just took him to hospital but when he got there, he said, it took six nurses from the U.S. hospital. All men tried to put, take him out of the car mm-hmm. because he he fighting. He didn't know anything. He didn't respond anything. Just probably just um, fighting, just protect himself. And then um, Ben just called me after that to say they find that he got meningitis, mm-hmm. and then they have to take him to um, specialist hospital just for disease control, the mm. best hospital in Europe, apparently. I can't remember the name of hospital. Even then, I drive there. Yeah, and then I said, are you sure they're not going to take him to a COVID hospital? You have to make sure. You have to go behind him. You have to drive with him. And he said, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to follow or, or, or go with him or anything like that. But the um, colonel who in charge of this case, mm. they promised that they don't take him to the hospital, to the COVID hospital. And then after that, um, yeah, Ben did do what he need to do, that I supposed to do, like inform everyone. And then I just keep getting phone call and updating this, updating that. And ever since I, that was Friday morning, all I got is um, the doctor from medical center is give me um keep me in touch and mm-hmm. say how's he doing now even 10 o'clock at night he still send me a message to say he's still resting yeah so basically they try to give him loads of antibiotic i don't know the name of medication that what they say they give him medication but they also have to give him um medication kind of like try to make him to sleep because mm-hmm. he's pulling all of everything that connects himself um, Dave Campbell, he's a um, welfare officer on Italian side mm-hmm. that who in charge to look after our family. He's actually our neighbors, and I didn't know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So he's just uh, working out with the whole team. They have lots of meeting. They have lots of thing going on. They decide um, that they're gonna bring him back to the UK. They do lots of more extra tests in the Italian hospital mm-hmm. and they find out that he might have leukemia. The doctor come to the house and everyone sitting down, they try to calm me down and everything. I wasn't panicking, I would just sit and listen and listen. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how you felt? Because you've had so much to already go through and then be told that as well. Do you remember what was going through? At that point, I know something serious because... Um, before that, he was very pale. Um, his, his 
he's get very ill. He's he never been that ill. He's never. He was he was a strong man. He's gone everywhere. He do he do everything people ask. He's never get tired. But that that was something seriously mm-hmm. ill. I wasn't get too much emotion until he's I spoke to his mother, and I was get a bit emotion. Yeah, yeah but um, because he was so young, he was. 30 odd years, only 37. Mm. I think it can't be, it can't be something that we can't cure it, you know, he can be better. And um, military does help and bring everyone, bring him in, Mm. bring him back over here. So he called me about three o'clock in the morning, the doctor, um, Mark, he he said, okay, this is what happened. We'll go home tomorrow. Mm. And yeah, he definitely has leukemia. Yeah. But we can't tell the state just yet until we get back to UK. So I said, okay, that will happen. Now what should I do? They said, pack the bag for two nights for you and the boys. I said, okay. And that's it. I packed the bags with the suitcase, um, two suitcases for me and the boys and some clothes. Oh, they said, don't forget some clothes for him as well. He will have to dress up when he left the hospital. Mm. See, there was a hope. That's all I hope they give me. How were the boys when this was all happening? I can imagine they were very confused because they're so young. But what was going through their minds? Were they asking you lots of questions? Kind of upset because um, there was a week or two weeks before it happened. Mm. Uh, we went to the volcano. We always telling them Italian are full of volcano. We went to one of the biggest volcano, the Vesuvius. Mm. And they were so excited about it and they want to see more. They're excited about Italian and the language as well. Mm-hmm. They learn from school. They pick up lots. Well, not school. Um, the, the It is school, but it's like an online, online lesson yeah. thing. They know that their daddy is not well because he's falling ill mm-hmm. about two weeks before that anyway. It's on and off, you know. And then I said, right, daddy is not very well. We got to bring daddy home. Uh, when it happened... Um, so my little one saw when Ben and Liam um, tried to drag my mm. husband out of the house and go in the car. But because he said, why Uncle Ben is here? That's how he called yeah. Ben. He goes, why Uncle Ben is here? The oh, um, Uncle Ben is come to um, see if Daddy is well or not well. Mm. And now his Daddy is not well. So Uncle Ben going to take Daddy to a hospital. And then he said... Why does they have to drag? Why does Uncle Ben have to drag yeah. Daddy? And I said, oh, they're just playing. And that was what I said. And then the next day, he just tell his brother, and say, Daddy's at the hospital. And that's all he know. And then after that, we said, right, Daddy's very, very ill. We can take him back to UK, mm-hmm. back to England. And then he said, why? Because over there is better. Is is like our home. We can go yeah. and do everything we want to go. So daddy can be close to nanny, because nanny is daddy mummy. Mm. So they understand that when yeah. they're ill, they want to be close to me. So when daddy ill, daddy want to be close to nanny. Mm. So it just makes sense to them. Yeah. But yeah, apart from that, there was exciting that can get on the plane. <laughs> yeah, because um. And somehow the the team of military team they have arranged for me to come on the same flight as my husband. Yeah. 
I thought I might have to come on commercials flight yeah, yeah. with the kids and they just bring my husband back but um maybe that I did inform them to say because my husband was in charge of all the financials and paperwork and everything mm-hmm. because we go abroad so he's in charge of all of this and then I can't access to any money at all yeah and they probably think that I might be a struggle if I go on commercial flight with the boys and mm-hmm. stuff so they decide to bring us back on the same flight. The doctor asking, um, because you go on the same flight, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what they call the aeroplane, where you can just, like an empty aeroplane, which is spatial medical plane, is it the call? It was a cast flight, but it was um, a C-17, if it was that RAF plane that went mm-hmm. out to collect it. And what, what was that experience like, being on a plane like that whilst he's poorly? I look at it and I think, where are we going to sit? <laughs> because all you can see is look like a hammock on the side yeah. of the plane. I only saw that on TV when, when people go to fight and stuff. I never think that I have to, okay, this is <laughs> this is the sort of thing. Uh, they say, we have to get on the plane first. Mm. And they say, do you want the kid to see um, what your husband's date like? Yeah, yeah. Or do you want to cover it up? So I asked Mark, if that was my kid, I don't want my kid to see me in that mm-hmm. state, which is he is um, with the, what they call a life support machine. Yeah. Yeah. And with, with no clothes on, wrap up with like a plastic sheet and got lots of things stick onto his heart, to his arms, yeah. everything. There was a blood pumping and everything. Which is terrifying. Yeah, I know. I look at it and think, oh my God, this is serious. All yeah. I've been told is he resting with antibiotic. That's all I've been told. Oscar said, why the curtain is closed? I said, oh, I don't know. Maybe the sun coming in and make the, it's too hot in here. Yeah. Because over there was about 30 degree in the same day, I think. And then um, the pilot, was it? He come down and said, would you like to go in the, the cockpit? Do you want to go where I sit, how to, you know, control this plane and stuff? So the boy would get very exciting, and me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> so three of us went up there, oh, for a very long time, maybe half an hour, mm. 45 minutes, something like that. And then when we come down, they say, your husband already here behind his curtain. Yeah. But so try not to let the boy go through there. I said, okay. But they're kindly enough having two nurses to play with the kids all that time. Mm. Um, it's take about four and a half hour from Italy back oh, to... Wow. I've been told that we're going to be land at Brighton Norton. But uh, somehow when we land, I said, um, how long... I asked uh, one of the nurses that who playing with Albert and Oscar, they play peekaboo and hide and seek mm. and everything on there just to take their attention off their daddy. And that's the first time I see my husband since... It happened since yeah. he left home for five minutes. They they let me go. Mm-hmm. They got all everything, ear protection and everything. So basically, he he's not gonna know I'm there. Doesn't matter how loud I shout, he's not gonna hear it because the engine is louder than mm-hmm. us. Me and the doctor have to shout at each other's face. And then yeah, like he said, when I have to get off the front of the plane and he get off the back of the plane. Mm-hmm. When we walk down the stair, I got. Albert in my hand and some bags and the nurse carry Oscar because he was asleep 
on the plane mm. on that hammock seat. <laughs> and yeah, and then um, there was a flashing light everywhere. There was a lot of cars and lights and everything. Lots going on. A lot, yeah. The, and that where I met Scott, he just said, he just introduced me. My name is Scott. Um, <laughs> come here to help you. I will take you to Fisher House. And um, that's all he told me. He didn't tell me anything else. And is that when you first heard about Fisher House? Because did you have any idea? Oh, no. They did, before we came here, they did tell us that you're going to go and stay. There was a little, not little, there was a place mm. uh, for me and the boy to stay. It's next to the hospital. When we heard the word Fisher House, I said, okay, that is doesn't sound like the place that anything relevant to the patient and hospital mm. and stuff. And then Ben, he's, he's, this is the person who took him to the hospital. He's called Ben. He also my, what do you call, um, family visitor or something like that? Mm-hmm. Visitor officer? Visiting or, officer. Visiting officer. He's, um, will be the one that, who I talk to all the time to see what happened. He mm-hmm. will tell me this happened, that will happen. Um, what's going on next? This and that, and he said, "If you want me, he's supposed to come with me mm-hmm. um, to over here." And I said, "Don't worry about me. You got three children of your own to look after, and your wife over here. They need you more than I am, because they are in Italy, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm coming back home to UK, which is I can speak English. I can ask for help if I want to, but your wife, who's she gonna ask?" So that that is when I turn up over here. They still say my. A visiting officer called Ben. They never mentioned the surname, so I thought, okay, someone else called Ben as well. Mm-hmm. That's when I meet Ben. When I meet you, yes. and I say, are you my visiting officer? I said, no, it's not. Um, yeah, but it's a bit of confusion. There's lots of people trying to help. And then, yeah, when we um, stopped at the airport, we got, oh, everything was just like first class. You don't have to go to the custom. Custom mm-hmm. come to you. Both sides. Yeah, so, so everything would just happen so quickly. It was so first class on everything. Yeah. So how did you feel when you first walked into Fish House? Was it quite late at night? It was late at night. Um, it wasn't you, it wasn't Ben at the time. It was your team, one of your teams, yeah. like Marty. So when we, um, Scott said, I'm going to take you to Fisher House um, and then he's got a driver. We got in the van, I think. Or minibus, and then uh, when we first come here, and then I see the security gate at the front, think, ah, this place is safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah, this place is safe because you have to go through two gate, so it's not stranger can come yeah. in. I say, okay, that's suitable for kids. Um, and then when we come in, we walk into, oh my god, it doesn't look like a house. <laughs> it looks like a hotel. And the boy was like, oh, wow, is this, is this our house? Mommy, I said, yeah, for now. And then they're very exciting. And then Marty said, I will take you to your room. It was quite late at night. And her, oh, Scott would just keep calling her to say, we are, you know, here. Can you let us in? And all this sort of thing. And then, and then Scott said he will come um, and have a chat tomorrow. Mm. So tonight, why don't you go have some rest? And then Marty just showed us the whole house. I didn't even remember a thing that night. It was, it was quite late. And the boy was tired. We did stop for food, which is happy fall. 
because I didn't have any money mm. with me. We got euros and that was it. My teacher asked the room. We just get in the room. The boy was eating um, the food that I bought and they go straight to bed. And they said, I love it here, mummy. And do you have a favourite room in the house? I know that the boys are always in the playroom and stuff. Yeah, it's the playroom and the kitchen mm. and the dining area. That is our favourite room, uh, which is the boy can do whatever they want. They yeah. love running around uh, on the dining room because it's a slippy <laughs> floor when you wear socks and it's just slippy like a slide. And they got a um, prayer area at the back, which is Phil, manager, very kindly brought out um, a little go-kart, is it you call a little car yeah. mm-hmm. that they can run around in the back garden and find the football. And and we lost one of them playing hide-and-seek for a while, didn't we? <laughs> And also we got this swimming at Morris Centre. Yeah, they got a swimming because we're waiting to see Daniel. So we also supposed to be self-isolating. Yeah. They say we have to either have a vaccine. Because I have two when I got here. I, got, I have two, haven't I? Yeah, I think I have two already, mm. two vaccine. I'm allowed to go visit him in the hospital. That was a plan anyway, but mm. I have to self-isolating before I go and see him uh, when the doctor say we're allowed to. But two months later, I'm still not allowed to see him. So we just kind of stay in this house and just do whatever we want to do in the house, running around, go upstairs to the bedroom, have breakfast in bed or downstairs. Mm. It's very convenient, cooking kitchen, I love it. It's a big kitchen, I always say I want this kitchen. Mm-hmm. Were you able to talk to other families as well? Um, Was that something you found helpful, talking yeah, to others? We, we meet um, a different family. We meet Anne, which is the boy called Nanny Anne. <laughs> I love that. She, she's called Nanny Anne because she looks a bit like their nanny. Yeah. And then... Um, I don't mind when when the kids is being a bit of, you know, like overexciting, running around, do something dangerous. Dan was over there. And Anne was over there to say, Oh, you don't run around, don't play with sharp stuff, this she's very helpful. And we got a little girl, I can't remember what her name. Um, the one got a brain surgery, Canadian mummy. I can't remember her name either. Yeah, I can't remember her name, but she's about one one year and four months something yeah. like that she's just about to walk and the boy liked to play with her and i feel a bit bad when we all kind of like isolate self-isolating yeah. she's have operation to attend and the boys is have to be away from everyone else mm-hmm. but in the end all of us is just like in the same house isn't it but yeah they uh when the little girl walking outside or playing in the dining room they, mm-hmm. the boy did playing but they try to that's probably the most hardest thing you have to do yeah. stop the children touch each other yeah yeah it's quite hard and did the boys have online schooling and stuff i can't remember if you said something then that you so had the, helped with so the military for the patient welfare fund paid for an app that they could use to download mm. all their educational needs to keep them as best as we could up to date with school. Yeah, yeah, Which because so nice. yeah, because at the same time we not register anywhere mm. because the school from Italy is just like stop sending us work because yeah. 
maybe the thing is too much for me to kind of like my husband is ill then I have to do homework and stuff mm-hmm. but we don't have any access to anything online that we used to do they, they just lock off everything and then we not register mm-hmm. on the education any school here we're not going to get anything support but when before we went to Italy we heard a website called Twingle that website is where they use all the um, learning like a paper sheet or mm-hmm. online thing everything like that we, they let us use that uh, before the um, lockdown mm-hmm. just just very very new to yeah. us for the lockdown and and then again we don't have any money yeah. we got Ben team or Scott's team pay for everything for all the food everything for clothes cream Oscar got very sensitive skin yeah so he need like a special cream that need to be prescribed mm-hmm. but again we don't register to anyone in the UK so oh, I just course. went to pharmacy and buy expensive cream because the boys were in Fisher house and they weren't able to see their dad we were trying to keep them occupied yeah. So the military team and ourselves using the patient welfare fund were paying for them to go out for days to like the Sea Life Centre and Cadbury World. And then thankfully, because Norway's in Fisher House, we got one of the military drivers to drive them to and from whatever mm. we arranged yeah. for that day. Yeah. And that must have felt amazing for you to have so much support, like people that oh, wanted yeah. to do anything for your children. There's people all over the world, I would have to say, everywhere that try to um, support us. And I, we got um, a phone call each day. My phone never stopped ringing. And then at the same time, my husband recovery better yeah. from, he was in uh, what they call the ICU clinical clinic places. Mm. I got update from... Uh, the doctor or the colonel involved, I think. Yeah. He phoned me every day and they said, Where are you? I said, um, Fisher House. Um, very close. I said, Can I visit him yet? Can I visit him yet? We stay here. Um, oh, was that three months? I would say two, nearly three months. Yeah, three months. Yeah. And it's a very convenient. We, we just took the kids to go walk and canal. And have a look, and we walk to Sainbury, do the food shopping. Then again, with the family welfare money. And um, anything I need, I just bend, I need some help. And then he would just make it work. Yeah. Yeah, and um, when I said my husband needs the phone charger, also we, we can't really, how does I say it? When we got here, because he phone is got um a password mm-hmm. or face recognized thing, it doesn't work. It's iPhone, yeah, and it's just completely locked off, isn't it? And in the end, we have to do a video call with the tablet from mm-hmm. the ward, and then um, us from here. So, how long did you end up staying at Fisher House overall? Uh, we here in May, and we move out July. Yeah. Is it July or August? August, I think. Yeah, mm. July and August. And how would you describe the house? If you could think of one word, one word is a bit tricky, so I'll let you use a sentence. <laughs> I one I I didn't know a perfect word. Um, the only one that I remember about this house mm. when I pat the back, this house is made me feel like home. And um, I can't remember. I think Julie, the manager, is say to us to say you don't have to get ready you can come downstairs in 
pajama if you want to <laughs> because we have this house for you mm-hmm. to feel like home like you live in your own home and actually yeah i feel like that i come down in pajama loads of time i go downstairs in the kitchen and cook breakfast and come upstairs and I just don't have to do anything much mm-hmm. it, this is just so convenient it's so good for us without this house i don't know what can happen the kids was love this house mm-hmm. uh, even then we have a house already provided by military yeah if you say the word Daddy got in the hospital today. The boy was like, "Yeah, we got to fit your house." I love that, and that just shows how important this yeah, house it, is and how it changes this people's house lives. To, yeah, this house is to them. It's just like there's a safe place. As yes. Well. So, what's life like now? What's the update of your husband? Is he still in hospital? Does he get because you've moved to Gloucester now, haven't you? So you've moved yeah. away from Fisher House. So, what's your husband's condition now? My husband's condition, in the good news, is because when he went to the Queen Elizabeth, mm-hmm. he got all sort of thing happening to him. He got meningitis. They tried to get rid of it. It just didn't work. Yeah. In the end, they have to have um, uh, his brain surgery. Okay. He have a brain surgery to move the little puff that was there mm-hmm. because when these. When they stopped giving him um, antibiotic, um, this puff in his is like an infection yeah. in his brain. It's getting bigger and bigger and press on his nerve mm-hmm. to stop his left eye working. So um, after that operation, his left eye is that all that pain is gone. Yeah, and that nerve it doesn't get interfering. His eyes. Get, look better from before he can't read if yeah. you if he's cover his right eye he can't read with the left eye all you see is a white round spot mm-hmm. like a big spot that's yeah. all he can see he can't read but now he can read with the left eyes and they have an eye scan and they say that's um his eye used to be just like a little zigzag line mm-hmm. but now it's that seemed to get better Amazing. and then with the meningitis is fixed, it's clear, the test out clear. And then leukemia is because of treatment is also clear Amazing. at the moment. Um, the doctor said there was a 60% chance it could be relapsed, right. but hopefully, finger crossed, wow. he didn't get it back. And then because of the treatment that he'd been given, mm-hmm. it caused his body to develop lymphoma cancer as well but um the doctor is very genius having um what they call clinical trial um to have it like a volunteer clinical trial for to treat that lymphoma Mm -hmm. we was we come back to the hospital you know twice a week sometimes three times a week it depends on his condition then again Every time we come up here, because we're supposed to be self-isolating, the kids are not allowed to go to school, we still visit Fisher House. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say, when I say to the boys, we're going to hospital, they will say, yeah, it means they can come here and spend three, four hours or half a day yeah. in Fisher House. And then that makes them happy. And um, yeah, the lymphoma is also clear. We have it tests three weeks ago, I think it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's still clear, but at the moment, still... Because some of the medication um, 
how did I say this? Because his leukemia um, treatment mm-hmm. is, he need to take some some sort of medication to stop his to lower his immune system right. to let the stem cell working. That's how they treat the leukemia by stem transplant stem cell, mm-hmm. and then uh, because of that. Other things attack his body as well. So now they co- he got disease, something called GVHD. He need to give another treatment, try to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. The doctor says take about 18 months to two years. So it's going to be a very long-term treatment. And he need to come in twice a week in to come and have this treatment. And yeah, then Fisher House is... And the team, Ben and Julie's and Patrick, kindly enough to let us just park outside mm-hmm. in Fisher House car park and I can come in and wait here because I'm not allowed to go in the treatment yeah. for his treatment. So yeah, that the Fisher House does have a very big role in our life in the last more than twelve months. It's twelve months now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And do you have any advice to other families? Kind of what's got you through this last year? If you could help someone that's now in that same situation like you were at the start and how terrifying it is. Looking back, do you have any advice that might help someone else? I got I got I go through a lot of friends yeah. and talk. Um I'm also a Buddhist. Mm-hmm. In Buddhist we kind of like Accepting it doesn't matter what in front of you. Mm-hmm. You accept it. If you accept it, you don't feel so much pain. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah. So their friend and family are there to listen when you want to talk. I talked to um, my mother, and I talked to his mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband, my mother-in-law. She been a big support as well, and also the boys. That's keep me going. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and lots of friends, I just talk to them, oh, this happened, or that happened, or this happened. And yeah, there's a lot of phone calls. There's a, at the end of, you know, the lie there, somebody there are ready to talk mm-hmm. to you. So if you just talk it about it, and then you might get some sort of idea, like Ben always, I tell like, oh, this is a problem like this. Ben always come with up with like, Oh, why don't you do this? Oh, why yeah. don't you do that? Oh, the financial this, and you know, oh, you can claim this, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then he would say like, oh, why don't you talk to Scott? He'll <laughs> help you. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, DMWS it does help, big big help for us. With without the Fisher House, without the team, I don't know. I don't know how I'm gonna live. I'm gonna live. Yeah. It is difficult. NHS as well, that's is a big part of it, I mm-hmm. think. Military, the Belgium team, Italian team, NATO team, they all send regarding to us and send us a message. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah, You've done amazing. Welcome. Oh, thank you. You've literally spoke amazing. And thank you, Ben, okay. for doing what you do for these families and sharing your experience as well. Yeah. This is a big thing, big <laughs> team. Not you, but I mean your team. The, the patient coordination cell and, and the Fisher House staff, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, Fisher House staff as well. They didn't treat us like like a customer go to a hotel, you know? Yeah. They treat us like a friend and family. They just come and talk, oh, are you okay, Noi, today? You look very 
you know, sad. Are you okay? You're very yeah. quiet. Or oh, I'm tired. Oh, why don't you go have a nap and doing this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, it does. Help. They 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 did help a lot. Julie's is just yeah, and they do print out the the school work for me as well for the kids to have a write down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, they've been helping with everything. A huge thank you to Ben and Noi for talking with me and sharing their experiences. The whole of this week across our social media platforms, which is UHB Charity, we've been sharing some of our incredible charity supporters and guest stories. If you'd like to find out how you can support or donate to Fisher House, please head to hospitalcharity.org forward slash Fisher House UK.